Welcome to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show presented by Honey Stinger. This is a podcast that will make you want to get outdoors and will give you some great ideas as a sport parent, athlete, or coach. Born in the beautiful mountain town of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the Winter Sports Club was founded over a century ago and now serves a majority of kids in our community and has produced more Winter Olympians than any other club in North America. There are secrets and great stories to share as we play year-round in these mountains we call home. Our calling is to develop complete athletes on and off the mountain by cultivating a passion for the outdoors and a love of sports at all levels. Stay tuned to hear from Olympians, athletes of all ages, coaches, experts, and people who are doing amazing things to make an impact in our community and in their sport. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former professional triathlete who finally discovered the joys of skiing in my late 40s when I moved to Steamboat Springs with my family. We immediately discovered the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club, and it's become a huge part of our lives as my husband, Tim DeBoom, is a ski and bike coach, and my daughter, Wilder, has found happiness, friendship, and joy through skiing, jumping, riding, and more. I am thrilled to bring the positive energy of the Winter Sports Club to people all over the world. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club show. One of my favorite podcasts. No, my favorite podcast, of course, and probably yours too. Today, I get to hang out with a true ski legend. I'm hanging with him right now, by the way. He's listening to this. A two-time Olympian, a guy who competed on the pro Nordic combined circuit for a decade, who gravitated naturally to coaching, and today is our ski jumping Nordic combined program director, and let me just add, one of the coolest guys on the planet, Todd Wilson. Todd, thanks for joining me today. Good morning. It's a steamboat morning, isn't it? (laughs) It's amazing. We're sitting here looking. People have been skiing. Like overnight. Yeah, that's the snowmaking crew here at Howlson. <laughs> and uh, one of the benefits here is to get first track. So you can see it's pretty skied up. But uh, yeah, I think we got, what, eight inches last night? That was beautiful. I mean, amazing. And it's like, what, not even Thanksgiving. Yeah. One of the best starts ever to the season. Uh, it's been cold. We've been making snow like crazy. And uh, yeah, we're just super, super psyched. And now the sun's coming out. It's it's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And I'm looking over at the jumps and there's like a Zamboni machine, but I'm sure it's not a Zamboni. What is, what's going on over there? Well, it's a ski jumping version of a Zamboni. It's a winch cat. And uh, we're fortunate to have the women's ski jumping team coming over because we got our jumps in shape before Park City did. So Ooh. they're coming over to take a couple jumps. Uh, we're not competitive they... or anything. Well, not really. It's just kind of nice to be able to do that. Um <laughs> They're coming over to take some jumps before they head to Europe on Sunday. So really super psyched uh, to be able to offer that to them. It's a huge advantage uh, for these athletes to get on snow before they go over to Europe. Uh, Once you get into a competitive venue, uh, you don't get a lot of practice jumps. So uh, the ability to come over here and take some jumps is going to be a big advantage for them. So we're psyched about that. Well, and it's really cool because there aren't very many places in the States where you can do this like epic sport and Park City is one of them. And we don't say like, you can't come. We're too competitive, you know. 
um, we open our arms and we we help kind of share resources, don't we? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It is. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we're going to have some fun today. Um, There's a lot to cover. I think we should start at the beginning. So here's what I've learned about you. You live in Steamboat now. I thought you were a Steamboat native, like you were just born here from the earth. But no, (laughs) you grew up in a different little mountain town in Winter Park, Colorado. I want to know what it was like to grow up there. Well, at the time, I didn't know it, but it's... uh... Uh, looking back, it's a pretty pretty amazing place, just like Steamboat, with a lot of incredible outdoor things to do. Um, I grew up on a <clears throat> small 15-acre little ranch, and we raised chickens and animals and horses and sheep and did 4-H, and my mom is way into gardening, so we always had big gardens and, um, of course, the skiing and all the outdoor things uh, you know, that these towns offer. So uh, you grow up thinking that's normal and everybody does that. And then you get out into the world and go, wow, I had a, a pretty cool upbringing. Yeah. I mean, I guess normal is an interesting word because we all live in our own normal. Like when I was racing as a pro athlete, I thought it was normal to do three to four workouts a day. And I'm like, why aren't these people out there like doing a workout and every extra 20 to 30 minutes they have? And I know that's not normal, but um, I do think it's cool that to you that was normal. And now you've created a life around that normal. So very cool, Todd. Um, So I know you were on skis young. Let's talk about your beginning of your ski journey in life. Uh, Yep. Young enough that I don't remember. How's that? So uh, I do not remember learning how to ski. I just remember skiing. And uh, apparently I started in the backyard with skis on my feet, walking around and going off very small inclines. And uh, both of my parents were ski school instructors. So that didn't hurt. And uh, started skiing, I think, probably around three. So oh about the time gosh. I could walk, I was on skis and and then uh, really starting to rip around, around five. So were they... Um ski school instructors like you lived right next to devil's thumb which is this like renowned cross-country ski area in colorado but you also lived really close to winter park which is also a renowned alpine ski area in colorado and early on had jumps which i learned from you um which did you start by getting on cross-country skis no i don't think so i started on alpine skis Wow, cool. And uh, would just go to work with my parents. And my mom started the children's program at Winter Park. And so that was kind of a natural fit. And uh, we just go to work with them and learned how to ski. And like I said, I don't really remember a lot of it. Yeah. Well, you know, if you if you Google Todd Wilson skier, you will learn that you did your first jumps at age five. Right. My cousin was part of the, the jumping program in Winter Park. And uh, thought it was fantastic. And and uh, um, his mom and my mom, who are sisters, uh, were talking. And, and she said, yeah, bring Todd over. It's a lot of fun. They have these coaches. The program's free. And they all teach the kids oh. how to jump. And so I went over. And, you know, it was interesting because the, the alpine uh, sport was kind of paved for me with connections through my family. And, and I took a jump and was hooked. And that's all it took. And that's kind of the direction I went from that first day. 
Wow. Okay. So to my knowledge, Steamboat is the only area in Colorado where you can do ski jumping. Is that correct? It is now. Okay. So tell us about like what what happened in Winter Park. How far did you go in their jumping program before you needed to kind of graduate out of it? Well, it was in the in the 50s that Winter Park was looking for the all-around ski experience. And so they wanted to offer everything that skiing had to offer. And and uh, Steve Bradley, Thor, and Jerry Groswald uh, put together this ski jumping program and, and hired some coaches. And and uh, it was just a weekend program. And uh, these were coaches that volunteered their time and would come up and work with a small group of athletes on the ski jumps. And Winter Park invested in those jumps. And, and it was a really incredible program. So I... Y- were you on like a, a team at that time? Did you, you know, start being a little more competitive in your, you know, around 10 years old or a little younger? You know, it was just kind of a gradual process, um, you know, starting to compete. We had competitions in Winter Park and you, you know, we we're going off little bumps in the snow, just little jumps, but there was a progression up to a 50 meter. And uh, there were other kids in the program to look up to, and and the program became and and was at, at the time very successful in producing uh, members of the U.S. ski team and and onto the Olympic team, and and uh, so we just kind of gradually went with the the process, and uh, I came over here, I think when I was eight years old for my first competition. Oh my god! Here gosh. at Allison Hill. Do you remember that competition? Uh, I remember. A few highlights. Okay. Um, I think I came over with one of my coaches, and I'm pretty sure I threw up in the back of his car. <laughs> I was so nervous. One oh. of my first trips, maybe, without my mom. Oh. And I remember uh, never been on different jumps before, so that was really... And this was probably a bigger jump than I'd ever been on. So I, I went off the first time and crashed. Oh, geez. And broke my ski. Okay, not your body, but your ski. What's harder to break, body or ski? <laughs> In those days, it was probably probably skis. Um, so I broke my ski, and they were trying to get me a new pair, and I refused. I was I was done. That was my day. I was all it was all over. <laughs> so that was my that wow. was my first experience skiing here at Hallison Hill. Gosh. Uh, petrified and 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 heart wrenching uh, and all those so- things. I mean, were you kind of like, okay, I'm done. No more ski jumping or on the ride home or, you know, at some point were you like, oh man, I got to give this another try. Um, I think that I was probably done if it weren't for the support I received from everybody, right? What does that mean? Oh, just encouraging me and it's okay and and this can happen and don't worry about it and you'll be back and... And, you know, all those things. And Imagine if those people didn't give you that support. Your life might have looked a little different. Absolutely. (laughs) One and done, right? One and done. No, that's so true about, and now coaching kids, I I see how fragile it is. You're one one bad experience away from being all done. And uh, I think... As parents and, and coaches, our job is to just foster these kids and, and, and keep them going and encourage them. That's the biggest part, right? It really is. Because every kid sooner or later goes goes through a hard day, right? Has a day that really tests you and gives you that acid test of, uh, do you want to do this or not? But think about it. That kind of happens in everything in life, right? You pick a career and you have some yeah. bad days. And you're like, do I really want to do this? Or 
or whatever it is. So, so it's kind of a natural gut check that, hey, this may not be easy, but it's incredibly rewarding. And so as long as the scale stays in balance on the reward side, right? Yeah. And the, the encouragement and, and maybe you have heroes that you look up to or whatever, but that all piles onto the, the positive experience side. And, and then we all go through hard days and, and everything we do in life um, that matters, right? It's, it's a test. And, and yeah. uh, so it's, it's just kind of an interesting process. I think we all go through, you, you have to go through those days to have the, have the, the bright moments, you know, and, and with ski jumping in particular, it's like, you're literally flying and then you're falling. Like that's not a metaphor. That's real. <laughs> that is, that is how it goes. And, you know, I do think too, the point you were making, it's even more extreme, the the more you care about the thing you're doing. And so, you know, at, at a point in most elite athletes' lives, there comes a, a time when they say, this is my life. You know, I was meant to do this. I remember thinking that about swimming when I was in like freshman year in high school. I was like, swimming's my life. And everything I did kind of revolved around it. It was the pinnacle, the the core. You know, at what point in your life did skiing, ski jumping, Nordic, you know, however you put that puzzle together, how did that become and when did that become your main focus? Or did it? <laughs> uh, no, it definitely did. And and it was clear from an early, early age that this was something I was, I was interested in. Once you get through that fragile stage, I think once you invest in something or you're hooked, then it's good. It's when you haven't invested a lot, like my first day over here, I hadn't invested a lot and it kind of bit and it hurt and I was embarrassed and I was all those things. And, and you haven't invested a lot, so there's not a lot to lose. So it's easy to walk away. When you've invested hours of training and, and, uh, um, you know, done all the things we need to do to, to be committed, um, and dedicated, then I think, uh, you start latching on harder and harder, right? And that, that glue starts to solidify and, and, uh, then you're in and then you can handle rough days, right? Cause you know, it's part of the process. You can fall on your face and get back up. Tell me about this hooked feeling. Like, when do you know you're hooked? Like being hooked almost feels like an addiction. Like I must have this in my life. Is there something about this sport that, you know, is particularly hookable? <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's unique in that there's adrenaline and fear and, and yet the reward is such a great feeling. And so there's, you question yourself, you question, Ooh, this looks scary. Um, but then you go off the jump and, and that feeling of flying and that feeling of being weightless and, and you can't get back up fast enough. Right. And so, and it, and it can start on a very small jump. It's just a, it's a, it's a quick thrill and, and, uh, you want more of that feeling. Yeah. Wow. Okay. My head goes, where do you go from here? Okay, we'll get to that. Um, let's back up a second. So we talk a lot, you know, we gravitate to talking about ski jumping. I mean, it's it's just, 
epic. It just feels otherworldly. But you are actually a Nordic Combined athlete. You are the program director for both the Jump and Nordic Combined programs here, right? Can you educate us a little bit about the difference or how they fit together? Well, it's kind of a long story, and it starts back uh, in the early days of skiing. Um, You know, uh, well, uh, skiing started a long time ago, right? But maybe in the 40s and 50s, uh, if you were a skier, you generally skied all disciplines, and it was called skiing four-way or ski meister. And that meant that you could ski the alpine disciplines, whether that was downhill, GS, or slalom. But you could also ski cross-country, and you could jump. And a lot of these pioneer skiers, if you will, um, skied four-way, and they did it on the same equipment. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Wait, a cable you... binding that you just <laughs> put on an extra clip, and it locked your heel down. And then for the jumping in cross-country, you undid it so your your heel was free. And uh, wow. away you went. And so... So you save a few $10,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. those 10000 with the different boots and the different, all the skis you must have when you move and live in a cool mountain town like this. That's amazing. Wow. Yep. So, so then we started the realm of specialization and people that just were drawn to one or the other and or spent more time doing that and, and realized you could become better uh, by specializing. So... You're either a jack of all trades and master of none, or you're you're specialized, right? And so, what we saw is a division kind of between the Nordic sports, which were jumping and cross country, and the Alpine sports, which uh, were the GS downhill and slalom. And and so, and today that still exists, where you have Alpine skiers that that do both the speed events and the technical events, and you have the Nordic skiers that do both, and that's Nordic combined. Um, and, and you have snowboarders now. Yes. We forgot about yeah, them. <laughs> how about that? We'll probably need to bring that in too. And so, so that's kind of where it is. And now inside of that, you have alpine skiers that specialize in speed events or the technical events of slalom. And in Nordic, you have athletes that specialize in just jump, also known as special jumpers. I don't know yep, why they're yep, special yep. and everybody else isn't. But <laughs> I like it. A, that's, that's an indication right. of they just jump. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have people that just cross-country ski. Okay. And then you have this uh, unique sport out there. It's a beautiful sport and very popular in Europe is the biathlon, right? Which is right. which is cross-country skiing and sh- um, rifle marksmanship, yes. which is a fantastic sport and very difficult. Yeah. yeah. And um, my next-door neighbor won nationals last year, Tinsley Wilkinson. We'll have to give her a little shout-out. Yeah, absolutely. I know she was part of Winter Sports Club, you know, through different disciplines. Uh, she was a Nordic combined skier. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So cool. So cool. Okay. So you ended up, uh, you started with jumping. Well, you just started skiing. You you realized jumping was fun. You got got hooked. At what point did you decide you needed to explore Nordic combined? Well, it was interesting story. As you said, I grew up next to Devil's Thumb Ranch. And at the time, that was a mega cross-country ski center. And it was run by a gentleman named Dick Taylor. And Dick was a 1964 Olympian in cross-country skiing, and uh, found out that there were neighbors around the Devil's Thumb area that that were kids, and and he had an affection for kids, and stopped by one day, and or my mom was talking to him, and he said, "Hey, you have a you have a son." I was about eight years old at the time, uh, 
about the time I came over here for my first competition. And he said, bring him down to Devil Sum and, and I'll teach him how to cross-country ski. You know, does he have a lot of experience? And all I had done really in cross-country skiing up to that point was backcountry skiing. I really didn't have an appreciation for the speed and the prepared tracks and the lighter equipment. Uh, and so um, my mom thought I had too much energy or something. And so she she took him up on that and and uh, down to Devil's Sum I went and and I learned how to cross-country ski and really thought that was fantastic too, right? So pretty much I loved sports, right? So you give me a ball, tell me to put it in a hoop. I'll, I can spend hours doing that. I was just, I loved physical activity. I loved sports. And and uh, so I did everything. So it wasn't really hard for me to, hey, try this. There's another way to ski. And so just super fortunate that, that Devil's Thumb was what it was at the time. And, and there were a lot of races down there. And I just kind of got sucked into this different community which I really didn't have too many connections. I knew people that did it. Um, so the funny part of the story is I started cross-country skiing. I was jumping, of course, was alpine skiing, but I didn't really realize you could put jumping and cross-country together until a couple of years later. And um, they said, do you want to do the Nordic combined? And I said, what's that? Right? And they said, well, you <laughs> jump and then you have a cross-country race in, the, in there. Wait, you can put these together, my two favorite <laughs> sports, together as one? That was the greatest thing in the world. So I started competing, uh, you know, probably around eight, nine years old in Nordic combined. And and and, the, and you ask, you know, what was it like to get hooked? Um, again, I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember that it was super clear that this was something I wanted to do. And I kept meeting people in the sport that I admired. And there's a great culture in, in jumping in Nordic combined where um, the national team members were training in Winter Park. One of the national team coaches lived in Winter Park and, and, and so on and so forth. Everybody kind of was connected and encouraging. And, and it was very clear from an early time, this is what I wanted to do. I loved all sports, but I was, I was skiing with people that were on the national team. Right. Oh my and, gosh! And and watching these people come up through the program that I was in and make the national team, make uh, world championship teams, make Olympic teams, and I just kept getting more and more uh, hooked on it. And I I received a tremendous amount of encouragement from athletes on the national teams. I mean these are these are people that are fifteen years older than me, and they're writing me postcards from Europe, and they're you know, when they're in town, they're, hey, we're going to the movies tonight. Do you want to join us? And just really uh, super good at, at you must knowing been, that there's no. a, that investing in the next generation and how important that is. Right? And that's part of it. But you must have been a pretty special, like 10, 11, 12 year old to get invited with these, uh, you know, 20 plus year old kids coming back from Europe. And um, it, I think it speaks to both sides. There, there's something about you that, you know, it just, people like being around you, Todd. Well, you'll have to ask other people <laughs> about that. I don't know. but uh, I know it's it, true. It, I guess the thing I'm proud of is I was attracted to that when I started, right? Mm. This is eons ago. And I'm proud to say that that culture still exists in our sport uh, wherever you are. 
right? The, the, the yeah. older kids invest in the younger kids and, and there's more of a mentorship. And for sure, we've all been around situations where it's the other way around. Yep, and, yep. and there's, uh, you know, a, a, a right to passage and uh, a hazing that goes on and, you know, the, the things that, that goes on in colleges and dorms and all that kind of stuff. And kind of this torture that you have to go through oh, to yeah. be accepted. Yeah. And, and that's not, I, I think, uh, something people are attracted to, right? Absolutely. And so you're going to turn a lot of people off mm-hmm. uh, with that kind of a thing. And so, um, it, it continues today. We have national team members that come back and train with our younger kids. Uh, there are, you know, how cool is it that a 10 year old can be putting their boots on in the locker room next to a national team member, an Olympian or, or whatever. And so, um, there's that dream building that, 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 that establishing a hero that I think is really cool for kids, right? It was cool for me. And, and I think it's a culture we still have today. And I think it's, uh, one of the best recruiting tools, uh, a program can have, right? you know, and it's like a superhero is not attainable, but establishing a hero, like you, you hear about them, you read about them, they're, they're bigger than life. But then when you're sitting in the locker room next to them, you're like, oh, it's a human like me. Maybe I could be that myself one day. And I think that's the, the really beautiful thing. You said dream building. I, I love that term. That might be my new favorite term. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think that's what the club does. Yeah. It's, it, I, I equate it to a, a fire, right? And, and, an initial experience is maybe the spark. And then every positive thing that happens just adds more fuel to that fire. And mm-hmm. sometimes that fuel is, is kindling, right? Sometimes that's a, a big log and sometimes it's gasoline, right? And so you start, you know, you have these heroes and then all of a sudden they help you with equipment. They help you give you a tip. They write you a postcard from Europe and it's just adding more and more like, I want to do this. Yes. And and you see the success in front of you and you start to believe at a very young age, well, they did it. Right. Then I must be able to do it. I'm breathing the same air. I'm going Man. off the same jumps. I'm in the same program. I have the same coaches. I um, mean, every, and then, yeah. And then there's, there's a real psychological part there of you start believing in yourself. You start believing at least there's a chance instead of thinking, I don't have a chance. I'll never be able to do that, which is definitely a direction you can go, especially with youth, right? Yeah. They start doubting themselves. Uh And if you can go the other direction and start believing in yourself. And then the cool thing about ski jumping is you start on a little bump and then you graduate, you you master some skills. The coaches say, check you off and say, you can go to the next size. And it's bigger, it's scarier, but it's more fun. The reward is bigger. And so you start wanting more of that and and gaining confidence along the way. And so it's it's really clear when you look at a jumping complex like here at Halson, we have seven jumps, right? And so to see the confidence grow in a kid when they walk across the jump flats to get over to the small jumps for the first time and their skis are crossed and they can barely carry them and they're heavy and they look up at the biggest jump and I know every one of them says, because I did too, I'll never do that. That is, I will never do that. But they go over to the small jump and they start having fun and 
playing in the snow and you've got your teammates and, and, and you master the smallest one. Then you move on to the next one. And, you know, somewhere along the line, you start going, maybe, maybe I can do that. But it's all laid out here in front of you. And, and it's, it's such a great parallel to life because anything you want to accomplish that's big, climbing a mountain or starting a career or, or getting your education starts with small steps. And, and there yeah. are stepping stones along the way that you must accomplish. And, and this is such a great visual and experiential part of, uh, you know, lessons to life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You don't just be the CEO. You start in the mailroom. You know, you don't just do the, the what hundred meter jump. You start with the eight meter bump jump that you guys just turned into a year round, really cool option. But you know, I think we need to be clear too. You know, we're talking a lot about what it was like to become one of the best in the world. And we know most of the kids in the program are not going to go to the Olympics. It doesn't mean they can't go to the Olympics. Maybe some of them will, you know, maybe, maybe they'll hit that level, but you don't, that doesn't need to be the end all reason that you do this. So like getting inspiration from other people doing the dream building is possibly more about hitting your own potential or conquering your fears or other things like that. I mean, what do you, what do you have to say about, you know, that kind of more realistic side of things? Like why would you do ski jumping if you're not going to go to the Olympics one day? Cause it's there. <laughs> Cause it's fun. <laughs> Cause not many ski towns uh, have it anymore. And, and we kind of went off that topic about, ski jumps and how many there were in Colorado. And now that, that house and Hill is the only active club uh, offering pro youth programming. And, um, and it's, it's gradually dwindled over the years, but this is a pretty unique, um, thing that we have here. And it's, it's, uh, an incredible opportunity and the parallels to life. And, you know, why, why would you want to do it? Cause it's unique cause it's fun. And, uh, you're absolutely right. Not everybody makes it to the highest levels, but just to come over here and go off the 20 meter and say, I did that, um, I think is a pretty cool thing. And it, and again, it's, it's our secret weapon it Really right? is. is, is that we have so many disciplines here at the winter sports club that kids can participate in. And they're, they're all drawn to different things. They're, they're drawn to the, whatever it is, you know, the, the, the different rhythm. Why are there mountain bikers and road bikers? And, and uh, now you have gravel. That's bikers, true. Right? What you're drawn to different things. And that is that a brainwave? Is that a, is that a culture? Is that a people? Is it a sport? Is it an activity that you're drawn to? I don't know. Um, but the unique thing about Nordic combined is it's, it's kind of a um, combination of opposites, right? So in training for Nordic combined, you have the endurance sport and you have the, quick power, something that's, that's a lot of adrenaline and over quickly. Um, and it requires an incredible, uh, conflict in training because you're training like a sprinter with power and quickness for the jumping and you're training like an endurance athlete for the cross country. And so you're constantly, your body's constantly asking you like, what do you want me to do here? You know, which way do you want to go? And, and the answer is trying to be good at both. So. Oh, I can relate to this. As you know, my background is triathlon. And, you know, one of the hardest things about doing a multi-sport sport is that 
you're usually not on fire in both sports at the exact same time. And that's like the travesty of it all. You know, it's like, oh, I had a great jump, but oh, I was a little off on the endurance today. I was winded, you know, whatever, (laughs) or the reverse. Yeah. And that's, that's what just makes it so magical when you have that perfect day. It makes it magical. And for me, it was, uh, variety, right? Mm, Not yeah, doing the yeah. same thing over and over. And, and, uh, we all, like you said, it's really hard to be on in both. It seems to be very, a lot easier to be off in both, right? <laughs> so, um, but the, the ability to have a bad day in one or the other and then be able to go focus. You know, like, oh, I had a bad day jumping, but look, I can go out and, you know, clear my mind and go ski some kilometers and a beautiful scenery. And, and, uh, I think that's really healthy that you don't, it, all your eggs aren't in one basket, right? So yeah. if, if you're really pointed and you're really just doing, you're a hundred meter sprinter and that's all you do and you have a bad race, it seems like all that effort, you know, you start yeah. questioning that effort. And, and in Nordic combined, if, if, uh, you have more chances, right? And and so you may blow the jump, but if you have a really good cross country race, you can leave the day kind of going. At least I salvaged that, it. <laughs> yeah, that effort that I've been putting in, uh, it was showed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, another thing that you've been talking about a reason to do this sport, and it, I think it's kind of just a given, is the community, the support, the friends you make, and it's something I noticed and. I wonder if maybe you can speak a little bit about how our club stands out from any other club in the world. But at the end of season party last year, so my daughter Wilder, who you know well, she actually, this is, this also speaks about you. She came home one day last year and she was like, Oh, Tato, he's like an, an uncle to me. And I was like, do you even, did you even work with Todd this year? Like, how do you even know Todd? I didn't even know you then, you know, but like, there's something about you leading this program, setting the tone for these kids. And I went to the, um, the, the party last year, which you hadn't had for a couple of years because of COVID. And I was like, oh, probably a few people will show up. And it was like this potluck and there was gourmet food. People took pride in making their best recipes and all these prizes and awards. And Wilder was a part of this. And she didn't have to get hazed, like you said earlier. You know, she didn't have to go through that terrible phase. It was like you enter it and you are welcomed. And there's something about that that it just felt right. So, yeah, she's she's pursuing jumping again this year. And it's cool because she had the ability to get involved with this sport through our Ski Meister program. So when you move here and you don't know what to put your kid in, but you're like, those jumps look cool, but could they even do that? I have no idea. There are ways for them to get involved without making it their life right away 100%, you know? So anyway, I just, and, and, oh, one last thing, I swear, and I could be wrong that at the, at the party, they said, we have the largest Nordic combined jumping program in the world. Is that true? Apparently. Yes. Wow. Uh, uh, we do. And, and we confirmed that we had some, uh, fish fists, uh, international ski federation officials, uh, come visit our venue because they're, they want to know what, what, uh, Opportunities there are in North America, and and uh, to keep our jumps certified, we have to do uh, site visits, and and uh, our jumps have to, you know, be 
be looked at. And so these guys came and they came into our locker room and, and one of these, and these are, these are the top people in the sport in the world, uh, came into our locker room and, and this guy paused and he said, I don't think I've ever seen this many jumping skis at one place at one time. How many kids do you have in the program? And I told him we have 170. And he said, I think you're the biggest jumping Nordic combined program in the world. I'm going to go home and check on it. <laughs> and so about a month later, we got confirmation that, that we are, and I don't know what second place is. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool that we have that many kids. Now you have to qualify that. Um, as you know, it's a very popular sport in especially central Europe. And, and so if this, or, you know, if this was Norway or Germany or Austria, well, there would be a ski jump in Oak Creek and there would be one in Yampa uh-huh, and there yeah. would be one in Hayden and, and, uh, there would be programs all over the place. So we draw from a, a big valley and, Understood. and, and have kids that come here because of the program from other parts around the country. And so, um, but steamboats only got what? 15,000 people max. Yeah. So that's pretty 20, impressive. 20,000 in the county. So it is, it's. It's impressive, but you look at how many kids are in the Winter Sports Club compared to how many people we have it. And uh, like I said, I think the Ski Meister and, and just having this discipline is a secret weapon, especially for those that, that grow up uh, doing the, the Ski Meister program. You know, it's how we do academics. We don't specialize early. We give mm-hmm. kids a taste of everything. And then as they get older, they kind of pick what they want to do. And by the time they get into college, they specialize. And, and, and so I think sports should be the same. And so... To be a club that offers this many disciplines, that's unique. Like, there are not many clubs across the country uh, that you can join one club and ski this many different disciplines. So, it's super cool that we're holding on to it. And and they they complement each other, right? So, if kids are going off ski jumps, well, that's helping the other disciplines. If they're skiing cross-country, the balance that you need to, to stand on a cross-country ski without all that support is phenomenal. And so I just think it's a, it's a secret weapon that these kids can try so many things, air awareness, not being afraid of being up in the air. You know, the, the girls that are in the jumping program, uh, have great success on the downhills in cross country because they've skied steeper slopes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, uh, so they, they all just help each other so much, no matter what the kids end up doing. And, I, and, and to me, that's not really important. It's, what's important is that we're giving kids this great, incredible, wholesome uh, start to skiing and, and snow sports um, that they'll remember the rest of their lives. Oh, I know they will. And that is one thing that drew our family to Steamboat was literally in the summer we came to visit we were like what's that noise and we looked up at Howelson and there were kids like little kids jumping off of these jumps that looked like a a golf course or something because in the summer you know you're on like turf right and um and we were just like whoa this is otherworldly. We've never seen this before. And when we moved here, we're like, you should try that. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it's all just so unique and amazing. You know, I think, honestly, we might need to fuel up a little bit for the second half of our podcast today. Are you feeling like you need a little energy break? You're you're saying you, 
I might need something to go with this coffee. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe a quick word from our sponsor, Honey Stinger, could be perfectly inserted right now. I brought an array of products for us from their three-part prepare, perform, and recover program. Um, Personally, I'm about to take a gel, which is very unusual during a podcast or in a business meeting. But um, hey, who says business people cannot also share in the beauty of Honey Stinger products. And the reason I'm doing this, Todd, is Tim and I are going to go out and skin up Howelson today after this beautiful um, snowstorm we got last night. Um, but I, for you, for you, Todd, and to st- sustain yourself throughout the day, I recommend these um, Honey Stinger organic cracker bars, which are nut butter filled crackers covered in chocolate. And that's fairly new, I believe. They uh, are. And welcome, because I have... Uh, eaten and been a big fan of the the uh, waffle for so many years. Mm-hmm. Every bike trip, every every hiking trip, uh, those are so easy to stick in your bag. And and uh, I've eaten so many, and uh, it's one of those things I, that I, I wouldn't eat. But you get to a point of being tired, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got that waffle. Oh, those waffles are amazing. And you know, I personally love energy food that's um, basically disguised as candy. And I feel like both the waffle and the cracker bar are. And you might think there's no way Nicole just ate a gel. But Todd, please attest to this. You did. And and, uh, you (laughs) washed it down with coffee. So that combination (laughs) is going to be incredible. I know. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. All right, guys. Um, I think that that will help get us through the rest of this. You feeling good now? Feeling great. All right, back to the show. All right, Todd. So we know the club has all these amazing opportunities for kids. I'm going to jump backwards just a little bit here um, to start to segue us into your professional racing career and then how that evolved into coaching and more. Um, Were you recruited to ski in college? Like, was that a thing? Uh, it was, um, when I was a youngster growing up in winter park, um, ski jumping was part of the NCAA championships. And, and so schools like CU and DU and Dartmouth and UVM and, and, uh, Utah, um, all participated in, and again, going back to that four way, uh, skiing. Um, so, so, uh, ski jumping was part of the NCAA championships and you could get, a um, you know, a scholarship and, and ski jump or Nordic combined for, for colleges. And so when I was in high school, I, I was recruited to do that. But unfortunately, uh, just as I was getting into high school in 1980, um, they made the decision to drop ski jumping from the NCAAs. So, uh, they still have cross country and they still have the Alpine events, of course, but, uh, no more jumping. So how did that change your trajectory? Well, it meant I, it, it just shuts down your options instead of being able to go to school for four years and, and get that uh, paid for or get a scholarship. And uh, continue doing what you loved as right. sort of part of your academic life, you would have had to do it separately. Yeah. And so it just now the only option to continue with the sport was to uh, make the junior national and the national team and, and, and you know, it just kind of cut your options in half, unfortunately. So did you make those teams? I did. Yeah, I, I, you know, continued to ski and skied through high school. 
Um, there was ski jumping in the, in the Chassa Colorado high school ski association. Uh, when I was growing up, I believe I won the last nice. ski jumping state championship oh, in 1983. We're going to have to look that one up um, guys. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, you know, so soon after they dropped it from the NCAA, it was dropped uh, in the state of Colorado as well. So the, those opportunities for kids, uh, you know, diminished and, and it's really too bad. Um, but I think they struggled with uh, facilities and the expense of the facilities and in, ensuring those facilities uh, was, was a big drain on colleges, where to train. You know, there were only ski jumps in certain parts around the country. and Well, and at that time, didn't Winter Park um, close down their jump program? They didn't close the jump program down until uh, early 2000s, okay. about 2003. Okay. So, But the jumps weren't big enough for you anymore. That's right. So okay. they had a 50-meter ski jump and smaller on down. And, and so when I outgrew or needed to jump bigger jumps, I started coming over to Steamboat more and more to train. Okay. So how did you end up you know, planting yourself here for good? Well, by coming over here, uh, <clears throat> I would come over here on weekends and we, we, uh, and I, I, I believe they still do only go to school four days a week in Grand County, mm -hmm. uh, middle park. And so we had Fridays off. And so I would come over here on Friday and, and spend Friday night and Saturday night with a family here in steamboat and just, you know, just establish those relationships and, um, would train over here more and more, um, so became familiar with the club and the coaches and the community. And, um, then I was named to the national team the year I graduated from high school, 1984. And so I didn't have that gap. I went right from high school onto the national team. And so does that mean you then were, uh, traveling around the world as a part of the national team? Like right away, that was kind of like your college. Yeah, okay. it, it was, um, you know, I, I intended to go to college, and then when the, the jumping and, and skiing options diminished and, and I was named to the national team, it was kind of hard to do both. And so um, I made the decision to ski and travel, convinced my mom that that was the right thing to do. I love that. And that so if I had this opportunity, I um, travel around the world on somebody else's dime, that I would really focus on what I wanted to be. And um, there was no question I wanted to ski. And that was a calling I had from an early age and it was clear and it, and it, and I dropped all the other sports uh, around the time I was in junior high school and just focused on skiing. What I wanted to do as a career was not so clear. And so I convinced my mom that if I got this opportunity to ski around the world for a couple of years, I would, I would think about it and be more focused when I, when I got to go to college. So. I, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I do remember in the early years when I turned pro, my whole goal was just to break even and put off the real world a little longer. I was like, well, this is kind of fun. It doesn't really seem like it's the real world, what you could actually be doing for a living. But hey, we both proved that you can actually do this for a living, at least as long as your body allows you to, right? Not only can you, but... but shouldn't we pursue those things when, when we have the, the youth, uh, and, and there's a small window there when you can pursue a sport at a high level. Yeah. Uh, but the experience you gain from it and, and the travel and seeing different countries and, um, 
it's 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 un- unbeatable. And so I often think of my years on the national team as is a master's degree in life. Right. Oh, I love that. Do you ever look back and you're like, think about your training and the stuff you did or the gear you wore? And you're like, what were we thinking? Or did it, you know, did it all make sense? Like when you look back or was there anything just like crazy and extreme that you're like, I would never have the kids do that now? <laughs> I wasn't really fond of the neon colors that were popular in I the like 80s. I like those. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we all do that, right? You look at the bikes we were on or the the equipment we have and we're convinced that it can't get any better and 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 or the technique that we were using. Oh, well, in the right? energy st- like I remember never even taking a sip of water as a high school swimmer in a 2-hour workout. Right. Like we didn't have the great, you know, nutrition uh, options that we have now. We didn't have a lot of this stuff. Not to mention the heart rate monitors and <laughs> oh right and, and tracking your sleep. And you were like, I'm breathing really rate. hard. That must be hard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. your training zones, all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. The the stuff that my daughter, who's 14, Ella, uses to train is is more advanced than I had when I was on the national team. Right. And so it's just it's cool, but it's. It's part of the process, right? Yeah. About the time you think things can't get any better. Um, it, it's so cool because it happens in in technology, but it also happens in the human spirit, right? We didn't think we could break the four-minute mile, right? And and we did, we keep thinking that we can't attain more, and we just keep breaking barriers. And that's, that's, that's so cool, right? It's so, it's so cool. cool to put it all together and, and to watch uh, – watch everything get better and better and, and yeah. more efficient and, and easier. And, and we learn from our mistakes and each generation just has a, a the same, right? A lot of the same experience, but different. Yeah. And so it's yeah. cool. Yeah, We're going after the same goals. We're just, we're hitting them at different levels. <laughs> right. Um, so how did you make this transition from athlete to coach? Like at what point, okay, wait, I'm passing up the greatest part of your career. You went to two Olympics and you you raced professionally for about a decade of your life, right? This wasn't a couple of years on somebody's dime. Like you made this thing happen. Yeah, again, the more I did it, the more I loved it, the more I put into it, the more better results I got and and uh, I was just I was hooked and I was hooked more on the process of being an athlete. I loved being an athlete. I loved training every day. I loved, uh, you know, putting all the different aspects of your life into the benefits of being an athlete. So, you know, the spokes of a wheel, like nutrition and, and your equipment. And, right, we talk about two sports and how hard it is to have them all firing uh, on the same day. And it's really difficult to have your nutrition in line, you know, your body functioning well, all the training come together, uh, your equipment, right? That's a big part <laughs> of, of what we do is is you can do all this work. And if your equipment isn't on, isn't right, isn't the right flex, you don't have the right wax, you know, right? Then, then you're not going to get the most out of it. So the challenge of having all those pieces put together, um, I love that process. And, and I love the travel. I love meeting other people on other teams. I love seeing other cultures around the world and, and visiting places that I'd only heard about. So I just love that whole process. So the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. Um, the guys I was on the team with at the time, were we, we just had a blast. We absolutely had uh, this incredible. I can't imagine not having that experience, Nicole. It was just 
amazing. And, and one opportunity led to the next. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm trying out. <laughs> well, I tried out for an Olympic team uh, in 84, the year I graduated from high school and missed it by two spots. But it was a great experience to go through. And, and that's just part of the process. You know, you, you, you don't hit these, you rarely hit these benchmarks on the first try. Yeah. Right. And so to have a career in skiing that's so long or can be so long and, and, uh, you know, the, the, you just get better at, better at things the more you do them. So, uh, I just look back on it as a, a great journey, right? It's not any one success or failure that defined you. It's, it's, it's the journey that counts and the experiences you have and the people you meet and, and, um, that's just, I don't know where else you get that. Right. So you talk about, having this opportunity to be an athlete in your life and, and have these experiences and, and it sure enriched my life. Right. Um, would you say you hit the goals or objectives you wanted to hit? I mean, and it all leads up to like, when did you know it was time to be done? Like, did you go, Oh, finally I've done it all. And now I can move on. Or was it kind of a, a bell curve and a slow, like you reached a pinnacle and a slow decline. And I mean, that's really normal too for a lot of athletes. No, I think it, when it became repetitive and, and I was just doing the same things I had done, um, I wanted to be the best in the world, right? I, I had my sights set really high and wanted to podium at a, at a big event and, and came up short on that. Um, but it was sure great having that target and I'm a better person because of it, right? The lessons I learned in pushing myself to try and get to that goal, um, you know, changed my life and, and taught me so much about who I am and, and, and that it's okay. You know, we, we can't always meet the goals that we set for ourselves, but the things you learn about yourself and how much better you get in the attempt to reach those goals is, is incredible. Like there's nothing else that would push you that hard. Right. So you've got to have those high goals. And, and I set my goals really high. Didn't quite make it, but I have no regrets. Right. Um, again, the experiences I have, the, the things I did, uh, there were times in, a, in big events that I skied the best I had ever skied. Um, and I knew it. It's just some other people skied better. Right. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't control that. No, but I knew myself. And so I think that's what sports is all about. Right. We compare ourselves to other people and we want to get to a podium or whatever. Yeah, that's nice. But it's all in it's all. What are you doing compared to yourself? That's who we're competing against. Right. Yeah. Every day we compete against ourselves, not necessarily other people. And it's really cool when kids start to see that. Right. Yes. You can't control what other people do. So we, we, we go around this world comparing ourselves. I'm, 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 I'm good looking or I'm not good looking or I'm wealthy or I'm not wealthy or I'm fast or I'm slow or like, what are you comparing yourself to? How about just trying to get better every day? It's something that you like to do. That's it. Right. So first you figure out what you like to do and then you start chipping away at it. Yeah, and who knows how far you'll get. Right. That's so what, we yes. all, we all get so far and then that's it and for some people that's a gold medal at the olympics that's awesome right? and this is the dream building you talked about yeah. and in our interview with dave stewart our athletic director he said you know this is 
we don't have coaches here who are tasked with identifying which kids are good and which kids aren't. They're, they are looking at every single child as its own human with limitless potential. And that is what's cool about this. Every person has their own potential to go out and fulfill. And that, you know, if you make it a universal thing, then yeah, everybody has an Olympic gold medal to fulfill on their own, in their own, from their own perspective. Isn't that cool? It is cool. And you're so right <laughs> about it. Um, I remember my early years of coaching, being, be, thinking I could identify, oh, he or she is going to be really good. And then as I coached more and more years, um, that didn't, wasn't always the case. The kids I had picked out that I thought would be really talented, and there's so much more to it, right? And the, the scrawny kids that haven't developed yet um, that you think have no shot, and then you watch them develop, you just it's so cool because you so don't cool. know. You can't identify no. who's going to – you can identify a few things you know, physically, but you can't identify the human spirit. You can't identify yeah. passion. You can't identify work ethic. Right. And, and so to see these kids that, that just keep plugging away, maybe never get on the podium, become successful in the end is really cool. It's so cool. So it sounds like you've had a really like awesome evolution in your coaching career as well. You got into coaching, you know, after your, uh, racing career was over. That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, the interesting story there is I never planned on this being a career, right? Um, I was done skiing after the Olympics in 92 in Alberville. And, and again, I had, I, I could continue to do the same thing and continue to ski. I was only 26. I had more years in me for sure. But, um, I also had this, uh, interest in getting on with my life. That was a, something I did for 10 years and I was getting a little tired of the travel. And, uh, the original plan was to take a break after 92 and come back for the 94 games. Cause that was the year that, that there was only a two year gap in the winter Olympics. Uh, so they alternated cause the winter and summer Olympics yep, used yep. to be in the same mm -hmm. cycle. And so, um, I was contacted by one of the coaches, uh, that I had had when I was on the national team and in Winter Park, uh, uh, he was the director here of the program. And he contacted me and said, I understand you're going to step back and and uh, you really ought to consider coming over and coaching for me and uh, <laughs> in Steamboat. And I said, well, that'd be nice, but I promised my mom I'd get on with my education. And uh, you know, I have this whole life in front of me. I got to figure out what I'm going to do because I still don't know right. after 10 years. Right. right? <laughs> I still not sure what I want to do. And, and uh, I'll never forget the 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 talk he gave me about how how I had received a lot from the sport and it was now my turn to give back and that we couldn't rely on basketball players or or alpine skiers to build our sport that it had to come from those mm -hmm. of us that were in it and so he convinced me to come over here and chip away credits at CMC that I could transfer and and uh, coach for a year or two and just give back to a sport that had done a lot for me. And, uh, it just so worked out that, I mean, I didn't go for it right away, but those, those, uh, pieces of the puzzle fell into place and, and I ended up coming over here to give back for a couple years. How, and how and long ago, is that? how many years have you been with the club? 30, 31. Oh. Yeah. Right. You've so. basically done it all here. 
Yeah, but he, you talk about um, the cool experience for me is to have been able to do this for this many years, and and uh, maybe I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but but by doing something over and over this many times, you can't help but learn something about it, right? Just from observing, observing kids, observing facilities, and so you know, how can we do it better next year than we did it this year? And that's, that's something that, that I still enjoy today is, is sitting down with my staff and, and going, okay, we had a pretty good year. We got some things to be proud of. Um, what can we do better next year? And if we can just pick a couple things, right? A couple things like this would help. We're really struggling in this area. Um, you never have enough money. You never have enough resources. You never, you know, there's, there's things that are just, you're never going to have it all. But can we make it 1% better, 2% better than it was? And so I, it's just been a great opportunity that I'm so thankful for to not many coaches coach this long in the same place and get to to just really know everything so well and 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 be able to find those efficiencies that I think other programs that have high turnover never get to that to that point. So, you know, would you say... I don't know if you can compare this, but would you say that you were meant to be a coach, that coaching is more rewarding even than having been an athlete at the level you were? Yeah, no question. No question. Because it's so much more about, um, there's so much more to it than athletic results. Right now we're talking about life skills. We're talking about giving another human being um, an incredible head start in life. Um, and I'm not saying we hand people a fish, right? We, we teach them how to fish and, and teach them how to navigate life. And, and a lot of that is what I went through when I was eight years old, a couple of hard days and how to navigate that. And so you, you teach these kids have to have life skills to do this. Um, and that's what I'm really attracted to here at the Winter Sports Club. Nowhere does it say we want to produce Olympians. Nowhere does it say we want to be, have so many kids in our program. Um, um, but we're about, this is kid town USA, right? We're about (laughs) giving kids an incredible experience simply because there's this amazing history and tradition here that that was started years and years ago and look what it's grown into. And now we have this incredibly large responsibility of, of raising the bar and, and carrying the torch around the track, right? And, and then handing it off better than we found it. And if that continues, the, the, the future of the Winter Sports Club and, and all we do yeah. here is, is secure, right? So it's incredible responsibility. Um, it's a cre- an incredible thing to be a part of. And it is so much more than athletics, right? It is. And now I don't even necessarily care about the specific sport, right? Of course, I'm, I'm drawn to the ski sports. That's what I know. But kids can learn these lessons and just the power of sport. You know that, right? Um, the things you learn by doing sports, by being physically active, and how those can transition into a, a greater, healthier life, right? Um, how to deal with, with turmoil, how to, how to manage school and your equipment and your nutrition and your training and, and your friends and the stresses of life, yet you still are going to put a bib on and go compete and, and, calling yourself to give your best, um, on a certain day. And, um, that's life, right? Yeah. And so the things we, the parallels between sport and particularly 
the parallels I seen between jumping and Nordic combined and life. Um, I start caring less about how many kids we put on a national team or Olympic team and more about, you know, what kind of human beings these kids are, are, are coming out of the program and, and uh, what tools we give them to be successful in whatever they decide to do. Right. We're just as proud of the kids who leave the winter sports club and start their own business. Um, Go get the degree they were after. Um, But the things they learn here, um, you know, empower them and help them. And it's so evident when kids that have been in the program come back and tell you like, how, oh, that's how feel much good. <laughs> being a part of this program meant to them. Yes. And if nothing else, the health, right? The health yeah. aspect of it, of uh, kids in our country and the world are just not moving enough and are not active enough and, and it affects their health. And this is the, the greatest cure for our health care issues in this country, I mm-hmm. think, is to have more programs like the Winter Sports Club where yes. kids learn how to be healthy and what it feels like to be fit and and then when you're not as fit, you're like nudging yourself. I got to get out, right? Yes. And and uh, this world would be a better place if we had more. If we had a Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club in every ski town, and yes, right. And we, and we could just get these kids. That right there, that right there is enough, right, to make this an incredible place. And then we do so much more. I know. And Todd, you, um, you handle this responsibility so well. You've grown into it. You've got such a great perspective. And even along the way, you met a woman who you married and you had your own children who are entering sport and navigating the world as young adults now. And, um, I wonder as a parent who can meet someone like my daughter, who in three months thinks you're her uncle, you know, um, how, do you feel the pressure that this brings on you or, or does it just sort of come naturally? And, and how do you translate that coaching side of you into your personal life? And like with your own kids, does it affect the way you parent them? I think, I think we parent based on everything that every experience we've had up to that point in our lives, right? You do the best you can. There's no manual (laughs) as we all find out. Um, but I think all of our experiences shape us and, and, uh, and, and, you know, you, you know, the basic things. So do I feel the, the pressure, you know, I only feel the pressure. It's interesting that you bring that up when something here at the winter sports club is threatened, right? When, when things aren't, working as well as they should be when, uh, you know, we aren't getting along with our partners as well as we should be. We're not, the gears aren't meshing and, and you start to wonder if this could all go away or if this could be minimized from what it is. Um, that's, that's when I feel the pressure when, when it's every day, just doing what we do. Um, don't forget, I didn't create this. I'm, this was done for me as a kid. And, and so this, I'm just continuing the formula, right? The, this formula is, this recipe is, it just seems right. It seems healthy. It seems good, right? The culture, the kids, the exercise, the, the friendships, uh, everybody working together and everybody having a blast. This is, this is, 
we all know life can be hard, right? And, and difficult and even a lot more difficult than other parts of the world. So to have this opportunity is, is I don't think something we should take lightly. And I don't think it's something uh, we shouldn't continue to support to the best of our abilities, right? Cause uh, it's too valuable. All right, Todd, we're almost done. I've kept you a long time. We could go another hour at least. Um, Let's do it again. This has been fun. I know. All right. I have two more questions though. How often do you get out on skis now? And when's the last time you did a big jump? Well, during the winter, I get out on skis pretty much every day because that's how we get around <laughs> over here. So, true. True. <laughs> um, it's, it's my favorite part, especially if I'm with a group of energetic kids. It's uh, You talk about coffee. I mean, that's my afternoon coffee is those kids show up and the energy and this place goes from being like it is right now where it's just beautiful and sunny, but it's quiet. Uh, and at four o'clock when this place explodes, um, I have to, uh, go through a period every spring, um, where there's, I have to adjust to these kids not showing up at four o'clock every day. Right. Cause it's, it's, it's what we, we live for and it's where the rubber meets the road. And it, it's so much fun to be out here with these kids on skis. So when, when we stop in the spring and take a break, it's, it's hard. It's it's really hard when these kids, I mean, it's a relief, right? The season's over and you can be hot and there should be an end to every season and all those things that are healthy. But I do miss the kids and that energy that shows up here at four o'clock. It's just, it's cool. And, and you know, you know, things are working when, when that continues to happen. So, um, sorry. When's the last the time part. you did a big oh, jump? Yeah. The last time I did a big <laughs> jump was, uh, the, the world masters was here. Mm, boy, I want to say 97, 95, <laughs> couple of years a, ago. Kind of a while ago. <laughs> and I was working here and I was preparing the jumps and then I would race in and I put my boots on and <laughs> went up and took a jump. And uh, yeah, that was the last time uh, th that competition jump. I had a really good jump and a nice landing. And I knew this wasn't something I wanted to just let slowly fade away. Um, and I went through the transition of the jump and said, I'm done. I just, it was a, it was a split second decision. I just said, that's it. That was a good jump to end on. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't jumped since. And you threw your jumpsuit away. No, I still have it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Wow. You haven't. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Hey, there's something beautiful to be said about stopping at just the right time. It's got to feel like the right time. It could have been the worst jump of your life, but it felt like the right time. It'd be done. It's perfect. Yeah, I miss it. I miss it, but it's pretty cool to be here every day and be close to it and be able to provide this for, for others yes. to enjoy. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 been great. It's awesome. It's great talking to you. Appreciate it Thank very you. much. Yeah. All right. There's one final question we ask every guest on the show, and you've already answered it like five times in different ways or more. And that is, are you ready? Mm -hmm. What is the greatest lesson you've learned through sport? Uh, perseverance, right? It's got to be perseverance. Uh, um, the ability to keep coming back and you add perseverance with uh with a work ethic i think those are two perseverance and work ethic are probably the two two things uh if you have a work ethic you can out you can overcome natural talent i think uh by just working harder than 
than somebody else. So, and when you fall, if you just keep getting back up, exactly, that's that's the win. <laughs> and it's like I said early on, it's the biggest thing that coaches and parents have to do is just keep encouraging kids so that 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 one bad day doesn't knock them off their block. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's so growing up and, and the transitions of growing up is so turbulent. You, you don't know which end is up. You can't tell, right? But just keep doing things and, and great things will happen. I promise, right? I, it's just, it's inevitable. It's a promise. But if you quit, <laughs> you'll never know, right? And so yeah. just keeping kids involved, results aside, you know, I, I think it's, it's participation. It's, it's uh, the results will happen. Uh, results are within all of us, and and um, you just never know. But if you have a, uh, you're, if you're full of passion and work ethic and perseverance, then that, that's the answer. You're done. Yeah. Well, Todd, um, I'm going to take you up on that promise, and we will work hard. We will persevere, and we will have fun. Thank you so much today. I personally feel very lucky to know you. I know my daughter does, obviously, and the whole community is just so, so lucky to have you here. Well, it goes both ways. I'm pretty lucky to be here, too, and, and to have had the experience I have. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity, so grateful for these kids, and so grateful for this club and, and uh, the fact that it's, it's surviving and, and thriving. Uh, it's pretty cool. So, All right. Here's to another great season. That's right. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show presented by Honey Stinger. Check out the club's winter and summer programs at sswsc.org. If you have a special topic or guest you want featured, we'd love to hear from you. Now get out there and support, lead, or be a champion on or off the mountain.